All right, we're live. Drummer Nation live coming at you again. Michael Vosbein, your host, and my lovely and talented co-host, Adam Nussbaum. How are you, Adam? Good to see you again. All right, Michael. How are you doing? Get us out of that box. I'm doing well. Adam is in the wilds in North Carolina somewhere, I think. So if he freezes up or comes in and out, we, uh, we're going with it because we're glad to have him here. How's everything? Glad to be with you. Everything's nice. I've uh, had a chance to visit some family that I haven't seen for quite a while. So uh, that's always good good for the soul, you know, and uh, very nice. And you're headed to Nashville, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other day I was in Nashville, and uh, tomorrow I'm headed towards Nashville. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know that um, um, KHS is there. That's your... That's Sonor, right? Isn't that your your endorsing company? Yeah, KHS distributes quite a few manufacturers. They have Jupiter brass instruments. They have so many, and I can't even think of all of them. But they have Mapex and they have Sonor as well. So, right, they're yeah. located in Mount Joliet, which is right outside of. Nashville. Nashville. There's a bunch. I mean, they call it Music City because of the music, but there's a lot of industry stuff there, man. Gibson's there. Yep. Pearl is there. Um, all kinds of small companies. The Craviato's there now. Um, shoot, I, I'm blanking. Um, uh, Cooperman. Um, I'm just trying to think of the, the drum companies, but there's tons of them. And um, wow. it's a cool place. It's come a long way. Have you been there in a while? I was uh several months ago oh okay in uh january and i was there last year also mm -hmm. it's ironic that last year was the first time i was ever in nashville <laughs> oh well it's come a long it, way it was, man oh i bet i mean it seems to be a very fertile environment and it was great to go to the different museums they had down there and mm -hmm. have some good barbecue that's right. The Country Music Hall of yeah. Fame is there. It's amazing. Uh, the Skimmerhorn yeah. is their classical uh, concert hall. It's new. Uh, it's just every time I go there, there's more going on downtown there. And There course, was a uh, big museum of uh, African-American music down there that was incredible. There's also a So Pickers, they're covering a lot of bases. Yeah, there's a Pickers Museum or a Players Museum, too, I've never been to, about not the stars, but the, the cats who did the, the tracks. And um, right. I haven't been to it, but that's nice that they would do that. Anyway, we're going to cover some news of the day today on Adam's recommendation, which is a good one. And we have two big stories that hit close to home for all drummers. One is the good story, which is um, Roy Haynes, the great Roy Haynes. And we'll talk about him at length. Uh, turned 98 years old. God bless him. And the negative story is Jim Gordon passed away at 77 from prison after being one of the greatest rock and roll drummers ever, he had some issues and ended up in jail. So let's start with the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, here, here, here's a, here's where a do nice. Well, you can talk about that picture. Let's identify who that is from left to right. You got Freddie Gruber. Uh, what Joe Mosca. Hey, they're wonderful drummer who's mm -hmm. very active around the New York scene. And, and then you course, have Roy there. Next right. 
is uh, Steve Smith, the tall in the in the back, another great drummer, Bill Goodwin, yep. myself, and the gentleman sitting down is a wonderful piano player, Junior Mance. And that was the occasion of, I believe it was Freddie Gruber's 80th birthday. We mm. all gathered at a restaurant in New York for Freddie. And for those of you that don't know about Freddie, Freddie <laughs> was a, a very well-known drum teacher. And uh, he was primarily based out in California. And so working drummers got with him. And he really seemed to understand mechanics very well in regard to the instrument and uh, people that you would definitely know that definitely became even better than they already were were people like uh, Dave Weckl, uh, Steve Smith. These people would all give it up to Freddie. He just helped optimize what they could do as far as their facility and uh, he can't... was very good friends with buddy rich and uh mel philly Joel. so yeah. he was able to hang out with these a lot and uh you know what they say you can uh, ob observe a lot by watching <laughs> <laughs> that's another a bomb adam adam's yeah. bombs uh and freddie was uh beloved in the industry and he was absolutely a piece of work but uh he, he was a motion one, <laughs> one and only freddie and uh he was a motion poet sort of i mean he would look at guys and talk about how they move at the kit and um tell them little cryptic things that would transform their lives yes indeed absolutely absolutely uh, i first met him through mel lewis Having heard of him quite a bunch, uh, mm. I got with Freddie a few times because I think we've all experienced those times where we feel like we're up against a wall and we want to break through that. And he was able to uh, give me a little bit of insight, like you said, dropped a few words on me and showed me a few little things. I have not... Uh, explored them to the extent that some other people have mm -hmm. it definitely helped me and okay. freddie's whole thing was you don't want to be muscling what you got to do you want to try to eyes things as far as rebound try to let things work and guide things more than making things work mm -hmm. because i think the key to longevity playing this instrument to be as efficient as possible and not hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. And and it was always cryptic too. Uh, Erskine tells a story about he starts dancing. He stands up and he's tap dancing. He says, you get it? I'm not tapping. I'm not, I'm dancing over the floor. I'm not on the floor. I'm not beneath the floor. It's all about lift, you know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about Freddie, God bless him, but um, uh, Roy, let's talk about this gentleman here. If I can... Who on this planet has had more music go through his body than Roy Haynes? <laughs> Roy, for people who don't know, played it's with Bird. 
He came up in the early 40s, well, man. Well, he played with Louis Armstrong. He played yeah. with Louis Russell in the early 40s. I mean, grew up in Roxbury, Massachusetts. You know, he's so he's there in the Boston area. And uh, I've always felt there's a certain character to the drums that come from up there. Of course, you had Alan Dawson. Mm-hmm. You had people that everybody knows about Tony Williams. There was Clifford Jarvis. There was a drummer named Bobby Ward, who's not that well known. Uh, there was a Lenny Nelson, who's still around. Um, there was a drummer up there, Ben Grant. There was another fine drummer up there, Jim Zatano. They got us, there's a certain identifiable quality you know, there's a lot of snap in what they do. It's a different sound. I think is inherent any of the uh, different metropolitan areas around the country. I mean, it's very easy to hear when a drummer's coming out of New Orleans. Absolutely. They That's got a very a good point. Character. They sure do. And oh. uh, they used to say that about trumpet players in, in um, um, St. Louis. You had Clark Terry and Miles Davis I, and... Um, but, but Roy was called snap, Mr. Snap, crackle pop or something, wasn't he? Cause of his. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, something that actually to tie this into Freddie Gruber, Freddie said something to me one time, and I think it's very true. Some drummers are signature identities and then many are wonderful conglomerates. That's not taking anything away from wonderful conglomerates, but certain people, you hear them, and within one or two bars, you know who they are. They have a sound, they have a special vocabulary, they have a way of articulating what they do on the instrument, the way they react and respond. Mm -hmm. And uh, Roy was a signature drummer from the beginning. You can tell it, Roy Haynes' earliest recordings. A lot of people, it takes them many years to define themselves. And many conglomerates morph into signatures over time. Right. But he had it from so, the get-go. Yeah. And this is, he, he's truly a one in a row. <laughs> and somebody who's always sounded hip, you know, his one of his first bands was called the Roy Haynes Hip Ensemble. That's right. And, uh, you know, to think of somebody who played with Louis Armstrong, Lester Young, Charlie Parker, John mm-hmm. Coltrane, Sarah Vaughn, Thelonious Monk, Sonny Rollins, Johnny Griffin, you name it, yeah. up to Chicoria, Pat Metheny. Right. And then, you know, when I went to see, I saw him at a PASIC the last time he was at a PASIC. I never got to see anybody at PASIC because I had a booth, right? So unless right. I was sponsoring the clinic, I didn't see it. But uh, he was playing the concert. He was the, the 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 headliner at the end. And I got my stuff packed up and I went to hear him and I was able to get backstage. And uh, I, I was blown away, man. Now, he was in his 90s at this point. And he was playing stuff that was just scary. Stuff I'd never heard before. Stuff that uh, I don't know where it was coming from. It was just genius. And he was in his 90s. Well, I saw him right before the pandemic. I don't know if I sent you a picture of him and I. I did post it on Facebook, wish him a happy birthday. He and I were just laughing about something. Yeah, I don't have that here, um, but I know the picture. 
Yeah, it's what was incredible. You know, he's been getting years and he's been dealing with the issues of what happens as you get older, if you want to call it Alzheimer's or dementia. And when he'd get done with a tune, he'd say to the guys, uh, what should we play next? Because he wouldn't know what they just played or what they should play. But mm. while he was playing it, he was dead in there, totally in there. And uh, it was incredible. I think this is something that was also, if any of you out there saw the uh, concert from Radio City, Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. I was just going to mention that. Uh, because they, they were supposed to do two nights. Tony barely got through one, and he really, she wasn't sure when she came out if he would even know who she was. But when the music started, he was flawless. He was perfect. He was right at home. He knew what he was doing. And, and offstage, you know, they weren't sure he could even get through it. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that some of those issues regarding you know, some of the realities dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia, it's almost like peeling an onion. You know, the things that are just happened, you don't remember, but mm. the things that are deep in the cell and way down in your memory bank, you remember that stuff. You retain, I mean, the last thing Tony Bennett's going to forget how to do is sing, I left my heart in San Francisco. <laughs> last thing Roy Ames is going to forget how to do is play. And it's very unfortunate that the pandemic happened because I'm sure we would have been blessed to have him out there and doing stuff. I don't know if, you know, what's going on recently because for three years, everybody was just kind of put on pause and I'm not sure we're going to see him come out again, but I mean, this gentleman has always been an example of somebody who had the amazing ability to hear so well and get deep inside whatever mm -hmm. the situation was mm -hmm. you know when you hear somebody you want to hear somebody playing it you don't want to hear them playing at it and he has always had that innate ability and what's incredible about roy is if you think about it he's not somebody that has a very large vocabulary compared to somebody like a Max Roach or a Philly Joe Jones, but he always oh, sounds hip. And the thing about Roy is he has that unique ability of being able to accent or put any of his ideas kind of anywhere in the time that he wants. You know, if you have only one lick, but you can put it anywhere you want, start it anywhere, end it anywhere, depending on the tempo, you could have between or the feel. If you're playing more eighth note music, 16th, you have 16 options. Playing more jazz, you got 12 options. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, there's that old line I heard years ago. I saw Max do it. I saw Boo do it. I saw Philly do it. I saw Clue do it. But I seen Roy and he did it and did it and did it and did it and did it. And I mean <laughs> I was gonna mention that this, line. Yeah. yeah. But people need to know that that's part of his playing. That was a lick 
that did it, 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 did it. Absolutely. It was part of his his unique vocabulary that a lot of drummers got. And it's also a funny joke. Yeah. And he, the way to me, it's like Roy is always dancing over the, the pulse is so innately inside of him. When he's playing, he's always dancing around it. It's not like he's slugging out quarter notes and slugging things out. He's just dancing about it so it has a lift and a certain quality to it that's fascinating. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting if you go out and you hear different versions of Coltrane playing My Favorite Things, which primarily was Elvin, and when mm-hmm. Elvin was unavailable at certain times, Roy was the main sub. And to hear his way of approaching it is wonderful. It's equally great in a different way. And it yeah. also makes Coltrane play different because right. Roy's sound is more open and lighter. Elvin's sound was a more darker and heavy. So... What I find interesting is it brings out another aspect of what Coltrane was doing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which also shows people that have that incredible adaptability. I mean, when you hear Miles Davis with John Coltrane, Coltrane is the heat, Miles is the cool. Right. When you hear Miles Davis with Hank Mobley, Hank is the cool, Miles plays the hot. Mm-hmm. You know, to create that balance. Well, the greats can find a place that they fit in, that their voice fits in with everything else. And when you think about Roy and working with, you know, Louis Armstrong, Charlie Parker, that's a long time ago, yet he's he's really maybe best known for Now He Sings, Now He Sobs, the great Chick Corea album, which right. is very modern. And, totally. Uh, he, he just kills it. And, of course, he's got that peisty flat ride that everybody loves that's been tried yeah. to be copied over and over again. But you and I know that the symbol is only one thing. It's the, I think you said it's the painter, not the brush, right? Yeah. I mean, but that record I think is essential listening for anybody that's serious about this instrument mm-hmm. and just to hear how they react and interact. And to me, the greatest musicians are the people that hear the best. Yeah, not just, it's more about listening how than playing, you can right? react, Yeah, how you can react and respond to what's mm-hmm. happening in the moment. And this is a process that you want to, uh, <laughs> which has to be developed by doing it. You can't practice it by yourself. It, it just, so right. when you got Roy Haynes sitting there, you've got somebody who, you know, he practically played at the Last Supper. So I mean, <laughs> you know, how much? How much more music do you want? You know, the new kid on the block, he's not going to know Jack compared to what this guy knows. He forgot more than what most people know. Now, that's a great picture because that's a picture of a young Roy Haynes. Um, right. I think that picture is from like 1949 with a young Sonny Rollins. Right. And who's the and bass that's player? That's from a book. Uh, I think the bass player, I can't really see it. I can't see. But I know there was a record date that was done for Blue Note, a Bud Powell record date. Mm. Bud Powell, the great trumpet player, Fats Navarro. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, I can't tell who it is, but I'd assume it was either Tommy Potter or Curly Russell. They were 
Mm, very right. prevalent at that time. Good guesses, yeah. Uh, here's another picture. Yeah, that's probably, that's a little later on. That's the uh, great piano player Bud Powell mm -hmm. with Roy. Wow. I mean, you know, these these were, you know, Bud Powell was one of the seminal figures of the bebop era, along with Dizzy, Charlie Parker, Kenny Clark, Max. Mm -hmm. One uh, of the true pioneers, yes. Oh, yeah, these were true pioneers. That picture looks like it was taken at a gig. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, a lot of people used to say, oh, Bud Powell was the Charlie Parker of the piano. But then other people said, no, nah, Bird was the Bud Powell of the saxophone. So, <laughs> yeah. But well, Bud was pretty heavy. Usually, well, very, yeah, very. Um, there's a story um, where uh, Peter Erskine, let me get this right, Joe LaBarbera and Jeff Hamilton were having lunch. And they're talking about, let me get back to uh, to us. And they're talking about they all had played a club, Montmartre, in, 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 in Europe, and um, it was like, okay, Jeff, who'd you play there with? Well, he played with Oscar Peterson. Oh, wow, okay. Joe, who'd you play there with? Well, he played with Bill Evans. And Roy McCurdy was the, first, the, 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 the other person there. I'm sorry. Roy said, yeah, I played there too. They said, who'd you play with? He said, Bud Powell. <laughs> and, and, and Joe said it got real quiet after that. <laughs> yeah. Now, now Bud, Bud Powell, even though they Bud, had played there with Bill Evans and Oscar Peterson. I mean, Bud Powell also was dealing with a lot of uh, mental issues. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I was very fortunate. I got to play with a great Danish bass player whose uh, name was Nils Henning Orsted Pedersen. Sure, yeah. And uh, known as NHOP. And when he was 15 or 16, he was working gigs, you know. And mm -hmm. he told me he was playing gigs with Bud Powell and Bud would finish a tune, and then he'd say, let's play, they they played Bouncing with Bud. And then when they were done, they would look at him and go, let's play Bouncing with Bud. It was like, <laughs> wait, Bud, we, we just, just played play that. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And then he'd play something else. But yeah. it was just phenomenal to just, you know, the abilities that, people have, you know, crazy and, and genius have a very thin, thin close-knit band. Yeah, 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 thin line. All right, uh, Roy was also known for his sartorial excellence. Oh, man. He was uh, in Esquire magazine, uh, I think, several times as one of the 10 best-dressed men. He always had some style and grace, this guy. Always hip, always clean. Yeah, you look at that. Yeah, look yeah. at that, man. Look at that cat. All right, here's a few more. Let's go to um, Roy with Elvin. Well, yeah, that's a... There you, you go. Know, that's a great picture. And, and, and Alvin would be the first one to say, you know, that he was influenced by Roy Haynes mm. along the way. Mm. And uh, let's see, Roy was 98, so he was born in 25. Elvin was born in 27. He's a little younger. Okay. There was certainly you, could, you know, you just you could just see the the love absolutely with these guys. Yeah. Wonderful drummers. All right. Uh, world class heavyweights. Now who do we have here? There's there's another from left to right, Billy Higgins. Yeah. I mean <laughs> there's another man with a magical 
sound. Yeah, we talked Roy about him uh, recently. And, Roy Elvin. Go and ahead. Charles Wood. Charles Wood. That's Charles Wood with the hat on and the shades okay. on the right. I don't know him. What's his thing? No, Charles Lloyd, a great saxophonist. Oh, Charles Lloyd. I thought you said Charles Wood. Yeah, I know Charles Lloyd. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry I mean, for that. those of you that aren't familiar with Charles Lloyd, his one of his first working bands that was very popular had Keith Jarrett, Cecil mm-hmm. uh, McBee, then Ron McClure, and Jack DeJohnette. Yeah. And there's some wonderful, that was a great band. Yeah. You're not kidding. You're not kidding. Yeah. All right. Well, Roy, we hope you uh, make it to a hundred and points further North, you know, he's, a, yeah. he's, a, he's an American he's, treasure. He's somebody, yeah. He is truly a one in a row treasure. And for those of you that haven't checked him out, I'd say, there's, you know, now with YouTube, you can access most anything. There's mm-hmm. great live recordings with Dizzy, Charlie Parker, and Bud Powell from radio broadcasts. And you can mm-hmm. hear Symphony Sigdom. I thought that was going to be Max. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Max and it was Roy. <laughs> and uh, there, there's you know so many great recordings with this gentleman there's great record with Sonny Rollins mm-hmm. the sound of Sonny um I mean you can't even just but you got to check him out you got to check this guy out because uh required listening. just the way he yeah he's uh he's one of those people that's uh necessary to at least be aware absolutely all right, let's go a different yeah. direction now, not not as positive. Um, Jim Gordon passed away a week or so ago um, at 77. He had been in prison for decades. And um, Jimmy, let's hear your thoughts on Jim. Well, Jim Gordon, the only thing I can say is he's finally at peace. Um, this, this was a, one of the drummer was pretty much initially he came on the California as a protege of Hal Blaine and he was involved with so many recordings and uh I mean you you you, you we probably heard him on a million records and we didn't know it was Tim he was on Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys he was on recordings by Bread played with Cher, the Carpets, Judy Collins, you know, talking about that zone, Donovan, Art Garfunkel, um, Carol King, uh, Dave Mason, Maria Moldauer, Randy Newman, Harry Nilsson, Yoko Ono, Righteous Brothers. Then you go, and he was out hitting with B.B. King, Derek and the Dominoes, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Joe Cocker, Eric Clapton, Jack Bruce. He was in there. And this guy always seemed to play something that was in the music. And it's work, man. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. I, I got to see him twice. I heard him with Delaney and Bonnie. At Central Park at Walman Rink, they used to have the Schaefer Music Festival. And they would have in the summer two bands every night. 
and it was $2. <laughs> so I saw Seals and Crofts and Delaney and Bonnie and Friends, and it was pretty much the same band that was on that record, but it wasn't Eric Clapton that night. It was Dwayne Allman playing with them, hmm. which was pretty great. And then I heard him with Derek and the Dominoes. And what was interesting was reading something that Eric Clapton thought that he said, man, Jim Gordon was the best rock drummer I ever heard. Yeah. And he played with some great rock and roll drummers. I mean, but this cat also did other projects where he could play, he could do like anything, this yeah. guy. But he I, really had that consistency that people liked when you're doing a lot of studio work. He had great time. He had a great feel. And his fills were always in the feel of the movie he was playing. So the fills never tuck away from the feel and the groove. And to play so positively somebody like Judy Collins, and then to be hitting with Mad Dogs and Englishmen or a big band with like, you know, 12, 15 people and nailing it and getting a great sound. You know, people talk about you know the, the guys that do great studio work. Their sound is so consistent. They record so great. You know, you watch the meter. The bass drum goes to the same spot every time. The snare drum goes to the same place. He had that kind of mastery mm -hmm. with a great feel and also just an intuitive sense of uh, what's going to make this thing rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we have an example I'm going to play that that's online. Uh, I it's hard to get music across through these channels because you get busted by the uh, the sound police. But this is a drum track, isolated drum track. Right. So I don't think anything's going to pick that up and bounce us okay. out. Let's see if we can hear some of this. Great. And this is just an isolated drum track from a George Harrison thing. So you're mostly going to hear drums. That's on fire.
I'm going to turn that down now and go back to you and me. But um, as soon as I can get us there. Well, there's me. Let me get out of this thing here. Okay. Um, Trying to do all my own switching and it gets crazy. Wow, right? What a track. I mean, no prisoners, no BS, just way in there. And, you know, no Neanderthal, man. This is like, no questions here. <laughs> right. Everything is spot on. It's strong, but it's also sensitive. You got those times where he's playing half the high. You know, just little nuances in there, ghosted notes. But everything he hits is just solid, man. Spot on. There's that sense of totally orchestrating a little section of tune. Right. And, you know, and he's he spontaneously arranged orchestrating. You know, you couldn't write out a part better than what he's playing. Right. And he's and uh, that's why you see certain people on a lot of records. Um there was a great uh, article somewhere where Andy Newmark playing with somebody and recording one. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Carl Lyman or something. But he just wasn't getting the track together. So the producer brought in Jim Gordon, and who's a real drummer himself. He you're breaking up a little bit. Let's 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 back up on that. I'm not getting your sound. You're frozen. Hmm. Well, these things happen. Um, we'll see while Adam tries to get back in here. Uh, I'll tell you the rest of the story that um, was so sad is that um, Jim Gordon had alcoholism, uh, drug addiction mental illness he was hearing voices and eventually he killed his mother and he went to prison for the rest of his life so that's the tragic side of it but we focus here on the artistic side of it which was genius so um whoops <laughs> oh adam's out okay we'll go back to me solo there we go so um we covered what we wanted to cover. Let's see if I'll give Adam another minute to get back in. We're 36 minutes in. But um, the the 98th birthday of Roy Haynes, amazing drummer, and another amazing drummer with a, a difficult story, the passing of Jim Gordon at 77. Okay, well, we've completed the show. I, I um, don't want to lock Adam out. Let's have a commercial here. Hi, I'm Stan Kiawa. Welcome to the Professional Crunch Shop. 1959, it opened up. Here we have Buddy Rich's last set he ever played. Last gig he played with Mel Torme at the Palladium. I set it up for him. One of the most iconic pictures is this one. A Joe Rilla Clinic around 1963. Mr. Hal Blaine, good friends of the store for decades. The stories that go on, I mean, if these walls could talk, Holy mackerel, we'd all go to jail. Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Bobby A. And today I wanted to tell you about how much I really love the Hudson Music digital app. Okay, now, check it out.
It's an app that you can get for your device. And you can purchase books from the Hudson Music Digital Store and have them stored right on your device. The great thing about it is you always have it with you and any content that might be video related or music related is right there at your fingertips. It's a wonderful resource. All right. Adam's back. I'm back. <laughs> Just can't get rid of you. I'm, I I uh, was I telling thought the people, I was just <laughs> I was telling everybody we had uh, covered most of this, but you, I'm sure you have a little more to say about Jim Gordon. You saw him a couple of times. Yeah, I saw him. I told you I'm, I saw him at the uh, Walmart in Central Park for Music Festival for two. <laughs> you were young though, right? He's, I mean, didn't he go away a long time? Around, this was probably 15. It was probably or maybe 71 too. I might've yeah. been a little before that. Yeah. And um, then I saw him at the Capitol theater in Port Chester, New York, which was great. Cause he had the same acts that the Fillmore East would have. So they'd have maybe two acts a night. And as a kid, I was growing up in Norwalk, Connecticut, so I could take the train or walk right to Portchester. The theater was right practically the street from the train station. So that was pretty great. And he was playing with uh, Derek and the Dominoes. And there was another band that played there that was called Hammer, H-A-M-M-E-R. And one record on Bill Graham, I think it was San records and they were also fantastic and that record again another great drummer i can't remember who played live but the thing i do remember that night good as derek and the domino sounded the guitar player from hammer really smoked his name was jack o'brien i don't know what happened with this guy but he really was. I remembered him more than Clapton's playing that night. Wow! You wow. never know what's going to happen. Well, back to Jim and his playing. I hear you hear uh, uh, certainly Hal Blaine's influence, um, and you hear the people who came later. He was a giant influence on on Keltner, and uh, you can hear Gad stuff in there. I mean, you you know, it's he, he kind of sits right in the middle to me between Hal Blaine and Steve Gad. Well, oh, yeah. You know, him and Hitler were kind of, con and I think they traded off a lot of different gigs at one time or another. You said Keltner, uh, you broke you know, up Jim. Yeah, Jim Keltner and Jim, right. I think, were pretty much contemporaries. Yes, they were, but I, I they. And uh, you know, Jim Gordon was a big one, so poor cat. Yeah. All right, and man. And there were so many. You know, um, Garen, that's another great. Oh, Johnny Garen. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's I another mean, one in that style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys could cover a lot of territory and be, you know, the, the term I like to use is they're playing it. They're not playing at it. Right. And it's, it's something you can really, 
And the story I wanted to say was he knew Mark and in the booth and watch him cut this track. And the producer was somebody who just was notorious for wanting multiple takes. And he said, just, you know, Jim would hit the snare drum in the same place every time, no variance, you know, the groove, the sound, you know, the consistency on all levels. Mm -hmm. He said it was pretty, it was like a great lesson, which is something that happens when you get to sit next to masters, do their thing. You get a sure. lesson. Absolutely. You know, they don't have to tell you what they're doing. If you got your ears open, you can hear it and see it. And it's right in front of you, man. You know? Yeah. Pictures <laughs> to worth a thousand words. And, you yeah. know, there's, there's no substitute for being in the room. And, you know, thank God we have this medium now where we can talk to people all around the world. But, you know, for those of you drummers out there that haven't been out and listening to live music, Go if any of the elders are ever around. Go see the oldest guys first. Right, I'm because I'm happy to say I've seen all the great jazz legends and drum legends for all styles that I've been able to see in my lifetime. You know, I rarely would I pass up an opportunity to hear a great drummer, and, and um, you have to do it. Goes you without saying. Yeah, no the, substitute for being in the room and feeling it the feeling the air move, you mm -hmm. know, just there's nothing like it, you know, especially a small and, uh, room, small room, close to the oh, drums, man, right over I mean, there. Right. If you have, you know, for me, I think it was uh, the village Vanguard just sitting in that corner of the room, man. We all know right. that spot, man. There's a little booth in the village Vanguard, a little spot, right right behind the drummer man you're like right over his left shoulder and like when i say right there i mean two feet <laughs> three feet yeah you can right. grab the hi-hat yeah yeah it's right there man you could go to the vanguard and hear the greatest drummers in the world and sit right in their laps almost yeah yeah and it's always great if you get to hear people more than one night mm -hmm. which clubs can offer the openings night and then you go to the last set on the Sunday night mm -hmm. after they've set it for the week. And uh, it's, it's just fascinating. And uh, I, I, I strongly recommend it because it's, it's another utilizing besides just listening and seeing you're going to be feel something. Yep. Which, it's going to hit you in the gut, man. It's going to hit you like yeah. right there. And if it doesn't, you're probably playing the wrong instrument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's wonderful that we have these tools at our disposal i'm thankful i'm able to check out people that i wasn't able to see really yeah but, me too right you know, yeah you still, can go back you, and see the, gotta, the the ones who predate us you can find them and i recommend that sure. people do yeah yeah all right adam yeah. i think we've covered it man we're 45 minutes in that's about where we want to be and um well, it's been a good show about, about Roy and Jim and your yeah. observations are always killing. What else you got? Some, I'm anything just else? trying to pass on what little bits I've been able to gather through my experiences and mm -hmm. I have a lot of attitude and That's a what, lot of 
continue doing that. And uh, yippee I O K A. Everybody stay on the good foot, stay on the sunny side of the street. And That's you right. drummers out there, play with people because you got to get this happening. Pandemic's over, man. Pandemic's over. There's no excuse to just be in your room. That's cool. We all learn from that, but you got to play with people. That's what it's all about. Now is a good time to get out and do it. Amen. The weather's getting nice. The bottoms are coming in the trees. Mm -hmm. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy. Michael, thank you, sir. You're most welcome, and thank you. And I'm going to get to the uh, closing credits here. Thanks again, Adam. Thank you, everyone. We do in this spot every couple of weeks. We're not on any religious schedule, but keep an eye out and go to the YouTube channel and please hit the subscribe button and you go to the website and sign up for the mailing list. And then we're on Facebook and YouTube and podcast, wherever fine podcasts are. And I thank uh, Adam Nussbaum and um, we'll be at you again real soon. Let me find my way out of here. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Adam. Aloha.